he would call it grifto. That could be a new, <laughs> it's, it's grifto. It's grifto. Um, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Sign me up for some grifto. Give me some grift coin. Welcome back to the Refactored Podcast recorded live from the basement of the Ivory Tower, where it's our goal to help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less each and every day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 92, recorded on December 20th, 2022. You still owe me two episodes, by the way. December December 20th. Yeah, we'll get those. At December 20th, by the way, yeah. as we approach the year end, mm-hmm. all of your favorite podcasts are doing predictions and lookbacks, and it makes me want to stab somebody with a rusty spoon. I don't know about you. I hate with the fiery passion of a thousand dying sons the fact that nobody actually produces content in the month of December. And then they take the first couple of weeks of January off, too. Very few shows are actually consistent throughout the year. And as a podcast, I'm going on a I'm full rant today. As, as a podcast junkie, what happens is I have I've much less time these days than I used to to listen. Around the holidays, I actually have time to listen, and all the shows are fluff garbage. And it just it, – it, irks me to no end. So so my pledge is that this will not be a habit of the refactored podcast. That's right. Not around As is here. our tradition, we are going to keep working because holidays are excuses invented by lazy people to stop working. <laughs> and podcasts recorded on the holidays are excuses to avoid your families. I don't. Hey, yo, that's that's it. That's it. I think this guy gets it. Well, I mean, you could go back and listen to. Uh, yeah, you were really fired up. You you we could go. You could go back and listen to stuff from earlier in the year that you didn't. You know, you know, catch up. You know, missed back catalog or something like that. I'm sure you can find something interesting to listen to. There's so much content out there. You just you know, find yeah, something I guess, in the middle I guess of the year you missed. My challenge is, I don't know. My challenge is that I have so many hours per day of content coming in. Mm-hmm. I never get to listen. I get maybe 30 minutes a day. These like, it's not what I used to be able to listen to. Um, so if I don't prune, if I don't have auto delete and stuff, then I'll just, I'll just run out of storage, like straight uh. up. I will run out of bits. Um, but what I do starting usually after Halloween, I will start hoarding episodes because I know <laughs> there's going to be nothing good between Thanksgiving and new year's mm-hmm. and I'll actually have time to listen. So I will strategically like I'll turn off the auto delete, um, and strategically retain stuff usually through, you know, through November's is good enough. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't stand the truth. Oh, and I, you know, I get it. People want time off. What else are you going to do? They don't want to put the effort in. That's fine. But mm-hmm. it's, it bugs. It's always been, it's, it's always been a, a, a soapbox. It's been a peeve. Gotcha. I, I see. Well, um, there is actually, speaking of back catalog, we actually, uh, there's a topic that we, we didn't uh, completely cover uh, going back to the- um, Did we defer? Did we put a pin in something? Uh, we did. The, uh, the video about crypto from Folding Ideas. Oh yeah, line goes up. Line goes up. Line goes up. That was episode, episode 90, I believe. 90. I um, think we're a couple we, episodes behind that. Yeah. yeah, I you alluded to some like grand finish. It wasn't. It was just more you, of the same. You th- you think so? Because I feel like he came down pretty hard at the end of that, no. saying crypto sucks. I like no. if I asked that's that not guy what out, I heard really because I feel like if I asked that guy outright, do you owe crypto? He would like laugh in my face. That's what I think he would do. He 
Yeah, he and he has a, uh, my comment. My my assessment of the video has not changed since we talked a few episodes ago. My mm-hmm. my like I I went through. I finished it. I watched. You know, I've now seen the whole thing in its entirety. I went back and looked and 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 rewatched sections. Um, guy makes a lot of good points. I mean, yeah, he, he does. You know, his most of his. You know, he does. He does a great job at broadening. Because a lot of people, you know, you want to talk NFT, either you go, oh my gosh, you know, you go hardcore cryptonomics, right? You wind up sounding like SBF or uh, you go super deep, deep, like technical nerd. And, oh, well, you know, Solana is superior to Ethereum because the transactions per second enabled by this protocol. Um, what this guy does is he says, no, let's let's zoom out a little bit and look at the macroeconomic factors that are surrounding this thing uh, because there are a lot of people that are just in it for the tech and that's awesome because we do a bunch of stuff that's just for the tech because we're in tech that's that doesn't bother me at all there are a bunch of people in crypto crypto to make a crypto Crypto. uh, he would call that he would call it grifto that could be a new (laughs) it's it's grifto it's grifto Um, i like it yeah yeah sign me up for some grifto give me some grift coin there are a lot of people in Grifto because uh, they want to make a buck, right? It's it's financial speculation, and I'm not mad at those people either, right? I've I have I have uh, bought and sold some Grifto in the past, right? Um, I am firmly here for both, though. Like I like early on, I saw some opportunity for for economic gain, and it's also game changing solution looking for a problem. Um, and so what he does, he zooms out and he says, oh, no, look at the housing market. Look at how the financial, how the capital markets themselves are structured and what are the incentives. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then that's relevant because who is actually funding all of this bizarre behavior that we see? And, so, and that's perfect. And I mean, you saw the 08 collapse, right? Uh, 07, 08 collapse. 08 was the white paper. 09 was, was Bitcoin's release, right? Like that's not an accident. And he does a good job at setting this in that backdrop. Um, and then saying how, hey, I, most of it's just gotten uh, overrun by finance bros. And he's right. And and a lot of the NFC stuff, what is what is the purpose of owning a, a board Ape Yacht Club? I, I don't know, right? Just to have it, I guess, you know? I'm reminded that Parks and Rec where, uh, what's his name, uh, where, where uh, Tom is like, it's called a Rolexus and you can't drive it. And he's like, well, then what's the point? To have it? Which he does, right? Like, <laughs> basically, he's pointing at the art market and made up uh, cryptonomics, made up exchanges with made up grift coins. And I'm like, I'm on board because 99% by volume, 99% of what we see in ter- volume in terms of number of tokens traded, it's all bull crap, right? Uh, they, they take a successful project. They uh, they change a parameter within the blockchain. They republish it. They airdrop themselves a bunch of coin. They get a bunch of rubes on board. Then they dump. Right. That's the whole business model. And he's he's not wrong. I, the, the commentator. Where I think, where I where I disagree with him is he looks at the current state and says, in the current state of the world, almost all of this is nonsense, and. He makes he he makes a leap that it cannot make sense, that it cannot be valuable, that it cannot be worth exploring and investing in. I'm not there. Um, yeah, I, pings of monkeys don't make a lot of sense, and all of his commentary is 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 germane. Uh, but there's a whole lot of stuff we can do with these that is being built with these that that isn't 
subject to the critiques that he lays. And he says that it's, uh, yeah, okay, so I, I think right, so you came a little bit closer to where I'm at. I, I, I still think that he sees absolutely no value in crypto as a currency at all. He, he just does not, it's just not a thing. It's, it's a... Uh, you know, a scam coming out of the, uh, you know, the 08 turned down, you know, as a, you know, an effort by people who, you know, do not have the same, you know, financial situation as their parents. And so it's a way for them to try and, you know, gain that, um, that same um, financial security. And it's the whole thing is a grift. Uh, it's I, a land I, rush. It's a get rich quick. It's a financial speculation. There are yeah. lots of people doing that and that's fine. Yeah. But, um, but in, in the case of like a land, uh, in the case of like a land grab, you actually, you know, there, there is actually a valuable thing at the end there. And, you know, you have the first mover advantage. What he is saying, I think, is that there's actually nothing of value here. And no, no, are, he's saying, he's saying that these, that these, these programs are pyramid schemes and, and yeah, 99 and a half percent of them absolutely are. Right. It is just it is just a game of airplane. It is just a pyramid scheme. Like it's it's MLM. There's no there's no fundamental difference mm. uh, because you don't actually get anything at the end of it. And if people decide that I don't want this thing anymore, then it then it tanks because there is no intrinsic value. Uh, and that's one of the one of the things that he points out. He's like uh, he kind of points out the differentiation. He says, "Oh, but it's it's digitally it's scarce, right?" And he's like, "Well, it's digital. What does that actually mean?" This is a good point. Um, I think where where you combine this, and I'll go back to, I mean, I've been saying this for a while, like where you combine this with other things, this in and of itself, if you just have crypto to mm -hmm. trade crypto, to make more crypto, to have crypto, to trade crypto, this is what he's looking at. Right. And this is how most the transaction volume, if you look at holdings, if you look at new coin creation, like all of that, most of it is that, and it's bull crap. He's like, I'm not disagreeing at all, right? Right. But when you take this system and when you anchor it sensibly to the real world, do I think that like my mortgage is going to be an NFT by the time I sell my house? No. Maybe somebody will have an NFT representation of the mortgage. Maybe I will. Hell, I don't know. Uh, do I think that is going to be this like the standard state of the world? No. I still think, uh, I, know, uh, I know gamers are, you know, at best mixed, <laughs> at very, at, <laughs> at very, very best. best. That is mixed. the most optimistic because of you the, could yeah, possibly the, the, be. <laughs> the kindest thing you can say would be that they're meh, mixed, right? And you can't just say mixed. You have to say, eh, yeah, mixed, maybe right? mixed. If you, if you back up and <laughs> if you squint, squint real your hard eyes and, yeah. and out the side of you. And give it the turn you your squint, head and at the side of your squint one uh, eye, squint uh -huh. one eye and don't look out of the other. Yeah, and maybe mixed. squirt some water in the one eye that's um, open. Maybe, maybe that because it's looks because it's not because it's not been done in a way that actually drives value for them. The gamers are very sensitive to things that are actually value adds for them. I've not it's not been done well yet, right? It's not been done the way that it can be done to drive value for both the gamers and the publishers. Yeah, but does the um, do does the currency for you? Does currency stick around? Does the does the cryptocurrency does that become a staple? Does that become a thing inside the market similar to other investments? Or is this a is, NFT was mega flash in the pan. That's that's here and gone, at least as far as, you know, PNGs of board apes and, you know, that nonsense does is is crypto following the same curve just on a longer time period? As the NFTs, do you think? Do you think crypto is? Well, still how do a you thing? separate? How do you separate crypto from NFTs me, at this point? You well, <clears throat> you don't. I mean, th I, I'm thinking about them as um, 
logically under the hood, there's a lot of overlap. I get it, that. I'm thinking about them as yeah, two different it, investment things. Like I bought some cryptocurrency. I bought some kick Bitcoin. I see that mm-hmm. as not equal to that is bang equal to I bought a board ape yacht club. Oh, I PNG. see what you're you see saying. what I'm saying. Like they're, I see what you're saying. The yeah. current the current crop of NFTs now they're they're worthless. I think right, right, right. No, no, I know that cryptocurrency yeah. though is cryptocurrency. Do you think cryptocurrency is still a thing in ten years? Like, is that still? Uh, I I think it is. You think so? Okay. I think, see, it, I think I don't it think for, he would say it is. I, I think that our that yeah. our that that the um uh gosh, what was his name again? I'm I have no idea. Totally blank. Folding ideas is the name of his is the name of his uh channel. And I would like to Dan credit Olson. him by name because Dan, Dan Olson. Olson. Yeah. Dan Olson. Uh because he puts together a great video. Really? Like good it really stuff. is good yeah, eating. Yeah, yeah, it really stuff. is good eating. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think I think both are around. I think both are around. I think we okay. find NFTs, NFTs are still a solution in search of a problem. And by that, what I mean is we've not actually seen a decent implementation of the solution. Mm-hmm. We have problems identified that they would be great to solve for. We don't know. We we haven't actually built that yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh so, you know, I don't like I Okay, so we've got that. What is that stupid game? There's some. There's some game where it's all based on NFTs. You play the game and you earn NFTs or you earn, you know, whatever. He talks about it in, coin, in the- and then you buy other game upgrades with the Grift coin. And the yeah. problem, but but the problem is that is no different than uh, that's no different than Blizzard or Valve or anybody just having. Yeah, that's not. There's there's no value add to me as a gamer than just buying the DLC from the pr- publisher, right? Well, what the line goes up. It. He did a breakdown of one of those games too, and it was uh, he 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 laid out how it's basically an a, 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 a it's oh, a pyramid scheme. Yeah, yeah, and uh, by it's the a way, hey, yeah, phrasing. We did MLM earlier. That's multi-level marketing, which is a pyramid scheme. Like I'm going to buy, yeah. I'm going to sell this thing to you. You're going to buy it, and then you're going to make a ton of money by going and selling it to someone else. That's that's multi-level marketing a pyramid scheme. Um, you also said SBF earlier, which I'm assuming means Sam Bankman freed is what you meant. You said yeah, SBF. Sam Bank fraud. Yeah. Sam Bank- who has actually been arrested. He's finally been arrested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Finally been arrested. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually a little, I knew, I knew he would be, I was a little quicker than I thought it would be actually. Really? I, I, I didn't think given the sheer amount of money that he has donated politically, I thought that he was insulated pretty well. But as it turns out, all they needed to do was wait until after the elections were done and then they would arrest him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, I, I figured it would take a little more time. It was I mean, the writing was on the wall like he's going to get you know, I, I, he's out there running his mouth. Even the one the one interview the, the I forgot. Who I cannot believe him, he was doing interviews was like, after the whole thing <clears throat> collapsed. That the guy, guy was like my mind. The guy was like why are you talking to me? What are your lawyers saying? That's and right. he's like, oh, they're telling me to shut up. And he's like, so? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's a, I mean, he's an idiot. No. I mean, he's I mean, a patsy. Full, full, he's full a patsy. stop. He, he, he's a moron. So, <laughs> so back to the point, because the SBF, like, you know, he'll be tried, he'll rot. That's fine. I, uh, yeah, a lot of it's a lot of it's a Ponzi. That's that's fairly mm-hmm. obvious, and and this guy puts a lot of work into demonstrating how and exactly why that is. That's fine, um, but with that game, right? If I were able to effectively effectively exchange uh, items within that game 
outside to the broader ecosystem. Yeah, I know. This is your this is your this is your argument. I, I and again, I don't think I buy it. I really don't. This is this is going to continue to be the um, you know one of our one of our go tos. This is just going to continue to be one of the things. Well, we don't, I, I disagree. I don't think this is so going to happen. So we we don't have to relitigate that. Yeah, that is that is simply that is simply one kind of application that NFTs I, actually it's a good have example that can of what be you're describing. valuable. Yes, I see. I see right? your point. Yeah, but I, I mean, I now don't in know. many cases, even even the things that we've seen so far, uh, some of them like, oh yeah, that would be great, and then like does it actually solve a problem to make that decentralized right because we may already have a digital version of this and so decentralizing it maybe makes you feel good but it doesn't actually drive value or there are a couple mm -hmm. of cases where and i think uh he points this out in the video where um you know oh well you you actually you actually introduce problems that the traditional system has already Correct. solved for right so Correct, yeah. there's there's some of that so it's not just like oh well we have a problem and so you know i want to plant trees in my neighborhood i know i can use nfts like that's not this this i think we can all agree that that's dumb yeah um yeah but the, there the, are there are real there are real ways in which this technology can be applied and i think i think nfts will be i think they will do something now if you when you talk about broader cryptocurrency you you need you need the cryptocurrency to power the NFTs, which you need the NFTs to get cryptocurrency. And so you get back into, you know, all of the Ponzi's mm. that, that he's talking about. Right. Um, so I think both will still be here. Um, I think what you find, one of the things, one of the things that I really, I, I'm looking forward. So f let me just paint a different example, right? Why, why can, why can not NFTs, but, but crypto, right? If you have something like Ethereum, now Ethereum's not without its issues, all right? But let's assume that we've got a, an Ethereum-like system where you can write smart contracts, right? Okay. One of the problems that this solves pretty well is that of escrow for digital exchange, Right? That's something mm -hmm. that we can do with smart contracts in a way that materially improves the system over what we've got. Right? So it's, it's, it, it's simple to conceptualize. It's simple to see what the pros and cons are of decentralizing it and uh, relatively easy to write the contracts to do. So it's not a very complex domain, right? That's a, that's a good use case um, for, for, some of the, for some of the technology. Now, cryptocurrency itself, though, I think, yeah, it needs to be there to power the NFTs, to power the smart contracts. And so I think it winds up being kind of like an infrastructure thing. I don't think it's like, uh, you know, you look at the challenges uh, with Bitcoin, right? It's, it's called uh, digital currency or whatever, right? And if you want to step back and just say digital currency, yeah, that's going to be a thing. Is it cryptocurrency as we see it now with a, mm -hmm. with a public ledger of blocks in a Merkle tree? I don't know about that because- right. Uh, like I mean, CDBCs. If you listen to anything in the finance uh, realm, CBDCs are everywhere, right? Everybody wants to call, talk about central bank digital currencies. I don't see what the purpose is. I don't understand why the United States why? federal government or yeah. the government of France or China. What is your what What's is your the goal you have with a, the, a, a central bank digital currency? I don't see what problem this solves. It doesn't to, it doesn't to give the illusion anything. of like it's it's smoke and mirrors, right? It's yeah. garbage. Um, Unless maybe you want to, uh, you know, if, if, uh, an Orwellian uh, state, you know. Oh, could we, well, I mean, there's that. Yeah, that. and then you could actually um, like make make people's money, you know, 
disappear and reappear and you know give right, them right. give them magic yeah, so if you want to so if you want to get your in certain ways and stuff like that if, if you want to get your tinfoil hat on the united states government could say hey all of your greenback fiat fund coupons are now our uh u.s treasury digital currency and by the way cash is outlawed and so now we can track and control every transaction ever anywhere right you could you know if you if you really want to go down the um Go down on a rabbit hole. You could you could play with that as a concept. So I think that. So I don't know what problems they're trying to. Solve. I don't know what central bank digital currencies solve. To be honest with you, I don't even know what stable coins solve for. This has always been right. an obvious an obvious uh, waste of resources in my mind. Now there's an argument to me. I did learn recently. <clears throat> I think one of the originals I learned uh, was actually initially invented. You are that that we were not the customer for the stablecoin. The stablecoin was actually a way to proxy, tra- you know, like TradFi banking for mm-hmm. businesses who operated in crypto land. So like the exchanges um, and the broker dealers and the the um, HFTs like would use the stablecoin to get in right. and out of local currencies where uh, they would not actually otherwise get a real bank account. Right. So, so it was actually a B2B thing because it's as a user like it's i've i've never bought or sold a a, a stable coin i've never i've never seen the point like it's not a yeah it's purposeless to me yeah um, and we've even seen a time and time again every year or six months or two years one d pegs and it's like well yeah that's one of the reasons why it's dumb um <laughs> yeah so i don't know gotcha. uh, but as a, <clears throat> so the, the point is by digital currency is certainly here to stay cryptocurrency as differentiated from that, I think is here to stay. I don't know whether it actually replaces traditional currency or it's just there as the mechanism to power the tokens and smart contracts. But I think those, I think they, those things, they do have utility. They do have real world utility that can solve actual problems. That is none of what we see happening right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he even makes and 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 if, I mean, if you want umpteen examples of that, just go watch the video because the guy does a, a great takedown of basically everything happening right now, and he's right. Yeah, but but his his central thesis is that there cannot be a good or 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 useful application of this technology, and I see ways where there can. Yeah, and I'm and I'm still dubious if those ever actually, um, if those will ever actually materialize because uh, the the technology itself has developed such a it's it is has developed and is continuing to foster a um, shady uh, vibe like like people are they're they're. They're not, the technology does not do anything to engender trust in the broader public space. Engineers get it, but that's one. Yeah, see, I would argue, I I would argue that's actually potentially fallacious. Maybe not fallacious. Uh, I think a lot of the, mm, just to say it out loud, a lot of the nonsense you see is not uh, cryptography failing. Right? It's not distributed computation failing. Right, All the failures we see are CEOs. 
all the failures we see are TradFi. What happened with, I mean, just look at, rewind a month and a half. What do you see with, with, uh, with FTX and, and all of that, right? Sam Bankman the fraud. The cryptography, like <laughs> Sam Bank fraud. The, the, the crypto <laughs> didn't fail, right? The underlying, the math didn't fail. What failed was you took, you took, a, you took a system that could be used to create a rational currency. You layered on top of it a bunch of fractional reserve nonsense, and then you leveraged yourself to the tits and got upside down on the market. It's not that complicated. Like it's not. There's not a whole lot of like, oh, I have to be a smart person and understand uh, shot. It's like no. It's called leverage. It's called debt. A company went into business. Their motivation was for profit. Any, by the way, anytime I see, oh, this project has a CEO or this project has a company or there's there's the open source, there's the .org and the .com, I do not invest. I do, I'm not interested in those projects. Yeah, yeah. Because frankly, I, what is what, cryptocurrency is meaningless if, if it's if it's if it's decentralized. Now you can make an argument about Ethereum and Bitcoin themselves not exactly being decentralized for a whole lot of reasons, and that's true. Um, but anything with with a a company behind like the the ftx what, what was their token called um uh, that doesn't matter now because it's useless grift uh, coin gr called grift yeah with the ftx's uh grift coin right that was created by a for-profit entity or okay maybe a maybe a a non-profit entity uh wrapped up in a in a corporate shell but the point is that it wasn't actually that there was it was very transparent what they were trying to do with it. Yeah. Right. So two interesting things about FTX, if uh, just just fun things that I heard. So uh, the new CEO that they put in place, that the board put in place, uh, John Ray, who also did um, Enron, I think. I think he was also the CEO. Yeah, I think he was in the, the fallout. He's he was the clean, he's which the is cleanup. a great look. Which is a great right, look, right? right? Oh, we're gonna bring in the Enron guy. Well, he's the cleanup. Which guy. I don't even know. He's is, the is SBF old enough to know what that is? <laughs> Possibly not. He doesn't look that old. <laughs> so John John Ray's actually not. He's not the guy who who did the Enron scam. He's the guy who, in the aftermath, they brought in to clean up. So he's not. He's not a scam artist himself. He's actually a guy who comes in and and cleans up the mess. Um, they brought him in. To FTX, he testified in front of, I don't know, some congressional group and said that there was literally no record keeping whatsoever on the accounting side. They had QuickBooks for some stuff, which for a company that's handling billions of dollars, QuickBooks is effectively back of the napkin type of accounting. So I, there was that, that funny little bit. And then apparently, uh, uh, SB uh, uh, bank fraud and his girlfriend of the time, I forget her name, and maybe a couple of the other ones that are down there in this, uh, you know, this group orgy thing that they were doing down there. Uh, apparently they had a Slack room or a chat group going on and the group, the room was called wire fraud. Like they actually just, oh, no, that's not a good look. That's not, I mean, just, I mean, probably that's tongue not a good look, probably tongue in cheek yeah. at the time, but also there's guys, a good, like, come on, <laughs> Like you have, you have uh, urges to to do things like to name right. things yeah. or sit, put or make cheeky email subject oh, lines, and man, then you think to yourself, hmm. "My God, if a Maybe. lawyer ever sees this, and then you don't do that thing." That yeah. is naming mm -hmm. one of your channels in a in a finance company wire, wire fraud, fraud is one of those things <laughs> that is just, maybe 
not did, the best idea. Yeah, did not did not use the uh, did not use the proper part of uh, of the. Brain. By the way, SPF was nine when Enron collapsed. Oh so, my gosh, yeah, that's um, that's wild. Anyway, no. um, so I am uh, getting into the new the new position and uh, dealing with. Uh, Information overload for sure. And, oh yeah, uh, you know, drink it, drink it from the fire hose. And we are, um, we're dealing with a new feature that has uh, a lot of potentiality. There's a lot of things you can do with it. And one of the challenges that the team is inadvertently running into is the question of whether or not they should. And I have the ability. I have all these options. I have this this full field of of that I can run around. But your, you're so, your scientists were so concerned with whether or not they could. <laughs> yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think they should. Yes, exactly. And that's that's very, very accurate. So there's there's lots of things they they can do, and uh, it's it's a it's a reporting it's a visual reporting tool, and it offers a lot of customizability to show lots of different things, and. My concern was, has been, okay, well, you've got all these buttons and knobs, but if you literally use all these buttons and knobs, you're going to overload the customer who or the user because it's just going to be so much information that literally none of it is going to be useful. And this is, uh, you know, this is a dialogue that's happening internally. You know, it, it's an internal tool for the engineers or for, you know, for the technical teams internally. So, you know, there's, there's a higher level of, there's a higher threshold for complexity here because it's, you know, it's an internal tool, but mm -hmm. it made me think about, um, you know, the, the real benefit and the necessity of boundaries on self-imposed boundaries on yourself, on your product. You know, when the world is your, when the world is your oyster, I think that, Teams would be well are 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 um, are wise to take some of that stuff off the table. You know, work with a narrower uh, set of information, a narrower set of functionality, so that you don't uh, overload the user with information. So, a uh, perfect example that you and I have have um, uh, discuss actually dealt with at other companies is report builders. So companies. Oh my gosh! <laughs> You're trying to. Are you trying to get me on a whole nother thing? Trying here? to. Tr I'm trying to trigger you here. So, uh, report builders for anyone who is is not totally familiar. If you've got generic application and uh, you are you're building the application, okay, we need some reporting attached to it. But I don't want you to just give me the reports, engineer. I want to be able myself at any time to pull together any disparate information that 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 product can report and build my own report of fields and things like that. And for this, I've seen homegrown versions of this that have like a narrow, that have a narrow set of information, narrow enough, but then they just throw a ton of buttons and knobs onto the search page to allow them to do a zillion different things. And then in, in larger enterprise settings, you end up with tools like uh, IBM Cognos and uh, a couple others that are uh, bl I'm, I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, 
uh, didn't prep this one. This conversation happened earlier today. I just kind of had the the moment of inspiration and they allow just maximum flexibility in the, in the data to, to build things, but you're giving that ability to people who don't understand SQL. And so they end up being these glorified visual query builders is effectively what happens. And so you end up doing things that are effectively joins and order buys and sort buys. You're just not, calling them that and you're you're using what are you talking visuals? about yeah you, i mean you're talking about like uh cognos is like power bi or or uh tableau it's it's tableau, a bit of the other one i was thinking of yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so oh. anyway th- so i'd say there's a time and a place for these these kinds of tools but in my opinion in the vast majority of situations you have a your data is well defined enough and your needs for reporting are defined enough and the time investment for reporting is actually quite minimal. Once you have the data in, it's very, very easy to build a report that spits it back out. That's actually a low barrier. Now, customers think users who aren't technical, they see it in the exact opposite way. You know, oh, you're going to pull all this information together and it's all this wizardry. Well, getting the data in there in a structured format, that's the hard part. Once it's in there and once it's structured, I can run very a lot of queries very quickly and easily to pull it back out because I've already done the heavy lifting of building and structuring that data. Uh, but a lot of business folks like to look at this and go, well, I want to be able to build my own reports. I want it to be whatever I want, whenever I want. When the actual use case is actually maybe a handful of things and I as an engineer can just sort of that depends on it you. depends on your company size and maturity and also the domain right so i'm involved in like uh data science data analytics space and i mm-hmm. can tell you there's there are a bunch of reports that we run that are you know quote unquote canned and there's a whole lot of ad hoc stuff that is a natural course of business throughout the day week month mm-hmm. um really depends on Again, I think size and scale, maturity, the company phase, and what type of in- industry you're in. If you're in a manufacturing company, probably most of the reports are or can be canned, mm-hmm. right? You're probably running the same stuff every day, every week, every month, every quarter. Um, to other companies, are not gonna are not gonna be that way. I am I am a huge fan of uh, building building a pro within you know you're just your web dev you're building some platform i'm a huge fan of having the capability to define a report and let your users click the download button right Mm -hmm. um and i am a huge fan of stopping there what are the canned reports what are the things that need to be run all the time routinely they're always the same um and that's it and then oh well we just this once we went i think like as the number of just this once, there's really got to, you got to step back. You just got to deploy a reporting tool. I, you know, I've got three different products that have custom report builders built in. Each one is worse than all the others. Actually, no, one of them is, <laughs> one of them is decent. Um, the other two are train wrecks. And which one's decent? Is it the a, amount is it a, of, is it a vendor? Is it like a, is no, it no, no, no. All box? three products have their own custom report builder built oh, in. Oh, oh, okay, okay. One of yeah. one of them is from a user standpoint. So these are report hold a, on a second. From these a are product report, standpoint. These this are, is this is the the development team built a report in builder your company, into the tool. Built a report builder into right. the tool. Ugh. <laughs> Two of them are absolute garbage mm-hmm. and one is decent at a at a product level or from a user level, mm-hmm. but is also garbage because what has to go into it to make it work that way. All three of them 
I would put a bullet in today and just deploy Power BI or Tableau uh, if if I could, uh, right. because it's not worth. You do not have to solve. Don't reinvent that wheel. It's like that's you want to talk about a uh, hedgehog strategy, right? Like what is what is your actual? You are not a reporting company, so don't build a reporting. So engine. don't build. Reporting <laughs> Buy engines, somebody yeah. else's, yeah. right? Don't don't solve user authentication and lockouts and password in 2FA, just buy Okta. Don't solve reporting, just get Tableau or you know, this and and you say Cognos, you say Power BI, you say Tableau. These are big ticket items yeah, on, not on the PL. Which is um, why people end up there building are, their own. There are smaller and cheaper methods of doing this. There are solutions that are, that are cost friendly. I think there's one called Lighthouse um, that's supposed to be like a, a cheaper alternative to um, that one. I'm not familiar with Tableau. Um, yeah, it's like a SaaS. It also depends like how how complex do you need? Do you just need to get like basically Excel sheets out, or do you actually need dashboarding and visualization and so forth? That can be a differentiator in the market. Um, I am not. I, my default posture at this point is somebody says, oh, can we build in a report? My my knee-jerk answer is no. You have to prove to me that we actually have to build that at this point before. You have, have to build to, the report or you have to build the report builder? The report builder. Yeah. Uh, I, I, right. Yeah. I, I'm going to want I'm going to want to. I the mean, bar I, is much higher. If you say, oh, we have to build our own deployment system or we have to build our own images for this or we have to build our own servers. We you could you know, we have this build versus buy as engineers. We have it every single day, all day long is build versus buy. It's like everything that we think mm-hmm. of. There's a decision point. Do you build it or do you buy it? And in every one of those cases, it's like, hey, let's look at the facts. Let's look at the scenarios. Let's see which one makes sense. I, I, I it's like n- my bias is like ninety nine percent buy where reporting is concerned like the the barrier to move me is so high far and away beyond any of the other stuff that you might no it's it's so painful all right so this is just a massive cyber you really are keyed up today (laughs) i i hate those things with a passion my point in using them as an example was that it is a it they they're, they're the reason that they suck is because it's a massive field of potential. This is a massive field of options, and you end up having to try and build and cover all of them. And in that process, you please nothing. It's it's a microcosmic version of SharePoint. Like SharePoint is crap because it tries to do everything under the sun for everyone all the time, and that makes it crappy at everything. Building a report builder that allows everyone in the company to build their own reports on your custom, on your data, whenever they want for whatever they want. That's a, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And the only reason that we do it is because that is in theory cheaper than buying these big platforms like Tableau. But in fact, you know, you're not paying. So anyway, my point it is, and if you, if you only need a couple and that's all you're ever going to need, or at least that's all you need to get your next round of funding or whatever the, whatever the context is, that is actually still a lot cheaper than it's going still and a lot buying cheaper. and implementing and, a, a third-party solution. And I, as an engineer, would rather do that. I'd rather put myself on the line and say, hey, okay, we're, we're not building a report builder. We're not buying Tableau. So here's what we're going to do. Every single time you need a custom report, you're going to come to me, and I'm going to produce that custom report. And when that loop of request for report and delivery of a report becomes too painful for me, then we will collectively go to management and make the financial case for why buying one of these external so platforms my, is actually worth it. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think that's wrong headed. I think actually the limit you hit way faster in most in, in most in my experience, in most cases, the limit you hit faster is the time the business is willing to wait to get the report. Well, right. But that's why I mean, that's why engineer just building it based off the data that you already have. That's always going to be arguably the fastest version because no, no, it's not. No, it's not. When they when they need something by noon and it's 9 a.m., I, like you, you can't tell me that it's always faster to for you to build a custom report for your client than for them to go into a BI tool. Well, and it depends get it on how. You, That's you, what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, okay. Well, uh, mm, depends on depends on how you define custom. It, it, again, it goes back to um, the data sets. Okay, it's, data it's all sizes. very it's, 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 it's all variable. very peculiar. In yeah. my what I'm saying is, in my experience, the limit you hit first mm-hmm. is the business needs data faster than you can write those new reports for them. That's the limit you hit rather than your pain in creating them. Yeah. 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 Okay. My, so anyway, this is all still sidebar. The, the, the idea is that report builder opens up a massive quantity of options that in a lot of cases you don't necessarily need. We've sort of discussed now some of the limits, the number of reports, the speed at which you're generating them. That's fine. But simplicity is, one of the most important values in extreme programming, aka agile, not actually aka, but you know, close enough. You just you just triggered a whole bunch of people. Saying I know, that. I hate, know, because hate mail to Frank at refactored. Extreme programming people. is not agile, but agile is extreme programming. Um, so you it, inverted that. I did I? Yeah. Extreme programming. What did I say? I said extreme programming is not we, agile. You, I did the subset. I did. I swapped the subset. Yeah, I swapped I the subset and the superset. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, simplicity is really important, and you always want to go with the simplest, simplest possible solution that delivers on the on the need. And so, like you said, if the need is actually you know a speed that you can't achieve, then you actually need something that that mm-hmm. meets the need. That's, that's fine. Um, huh. But you should always start with simplicity in mind, the simplest possible thing, because that will be easier to build, faster to build, easier to maintain. And then you can always iterate on it. That's the whole point of the, of the agile loop is, you know, okay, try this thing. And, you know, so you want that, you want small pieces so that you can make small changes very quickly. And what, um, what I found, what I was observing in my, you know, with my with my team today was um, engineers working on an engineering problem for engineers you know, threw everything at the wall and came up with you know all the possible options and you know tried to smash okay I've got I've got they put the, they put all the possible ideas out on the table then they picked up the table and tried to <laughs> walk out of the room with it <laughs> I, I have all I have these knobs to turn so I'm going to so going to need more hands. So it, it's I've got, I've got these knobs I can turn. So now I want to find a reason. This is the, this was the thought process. I have these knobs to turn. So now I want, now I need to go and find a reason for each of those knobs to be turned. Not right. right. Not let's ignore the knobs for a second. What's actually important here. And let's just go with that. Like, let's start with the simplest possible set of solution. And then if we, if we have 
the need for more complexity, well, great, we have all these extra knobs here. And again, this was go, it was a reporting, it was a charting platform that had some display capabilities and they were attaching, you know, certain values to the representations that were in the display. And so, you know, I've got these abilities to do this display. So I've got, you know, I can, I can make this information, I can, I can display 10 different dimensions of information using the various colors and shapes and things like that. Okay, great. Let's go find those 10 things. Not, well, hold on a second. Do we have 10 things or how about we just go with, you know, let's, let's just define the five things, you know? So the conversation started with the, it was tail wagging the dog. The conversation started from the tools, the tool and its functionality and its capabilities and not from the here's what the here's what the business Actual business needs. needs. Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, the business needs were sort of blended in there. Like the two, you know, there's there's certainly overlap. It's not you know two completely separate Venn diagram circles. But the starting my point is it took a long time to get here. I need a second well, one. Of well, those. I'm my point. I'm hold on, involved. hold on. My point is that it, it the. <laughs> You killed my rhythm, man. You killed my mojo. The, <laughs> the point is the they you start with, you know, start at the beginning. The 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 tool does not inform the business. The business informs the tool. The business informs the technology. This is a classic engineering mistake where you 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 know you're so focused on your own stuff. I don't nobody does it deliberately. It's just sort of, well, I'm inside the tool. And so that's where my mind is at, you know, and that's not, that's not the order of operations. Like focus on whatever the business needs like answer that question completely separate from the tool and your functionality, get the answers to that question of what is it the business needs? Oh, but yeah, but our platform, I don't care what your platform can do or can't do. That's irrelevant. Get the defined use case down. As, as, a, as a completely independent exercise, you can do it without even thinking about your tool. And in fact, you should do it without thinking about your tool or your platform or whatever. Get all that out. And then, okay, now we've got this. How does this fit inside of our infrastructure? What do we need to add? What, do, you know, what capability do we have today? How much of this can we deliver now versus later? And, you know, you really want a, a clean break between those, those two things, you know, defining the business terms and then implementing the technical solution. Those are two different things and they have to come in the right order and they have to be isolated from one another logically. Um, and so again, I just saw a, a good example of that today and, and figured it might be a, a good, a good point of, uh, of reminder. So I don't know how much you deal with that. If that's a, if that's still a problem where you're at, I know you, you do a good job of actually heading that stuff off at the pass. Like you, you tend to run interference for, for that kind of stuff, given your, yeah, your there's, I think, I guess like you talk about, um, you talk about continuous delivery and mm -hmm. the purpose of continuous delivery is not to publish a change to production every 45 seconds. I mean, if that's right. what that you do, then it's not the goal of continuous delivery. Right. The goal of continuous delivery is to publish changes into production as often as the business needs them. Correct. There is no actual which, time associated with it. Which, depending on the business, 
could be every four hours. It could be every four weeks. You don't know. Like there's no, I, we don't know what it is because we don't know your business. We don't know the team. We don't know the demands, the market, the structure and so forth. The same thing with agility, right? Every, you know, so we are agile as if as if this is a declaration, a manifesto that, uh, I shouldn't use that word, as this, this is a declaration <laughs> that, well, we don't, we don't do requirements here, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I'm, you know, if you're, again, if you're a B2C startup, you're going to be more agile than not. And you should be, and you need to be for a whole host of different reasons. If you're an established business uh, that's B2B, you're probably going to have to do some pre-planning, right? There are budgets, there are expectations, there's the, the dreaded S word, can I say stakeholder without getting lambasted? Um, <laughs> You know, like your clients, there's there's a certain degree where, and your clients may not be your your company's customers. Your clients may be internal people, but they, they got to have an expectation when things are going to happen, which means there's a certain amount of planning you've got to do before you start. There's always going to, I'm having this conversation with my teams now, there's always going to be in a B2B environment, like in an enterprise environment, there's always going to be a superstructure of waterfall. There's always got to be some general idea yeah. of what the thing looks like. And, you know, in, in one of the areas of my business is very seasonal. If we don't get something out by May, it ain't going out until January, right? It's That's just the nature of the product. Right. And so I have to know before I authorize, yeah, we're going to spend several months working on this thing and not all of these other things. I got to be reasonably assured that we're actually going to get this out in May. And so whatever degree of planning and analysis and design and discovery needs to happen in order for us to reach that confidence level, we're going to do that. And then people, oh, that's waterfall. It's like, yeah, that is waterfall. It's not bad. It's bad when you take it to the umpteenth degree without any respect for the things that are going to change, right? Right. Um, so I see that question of agility, back to your point, like like the, the agility, it's like, how agile do you need to be? Because- mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps clarify what you need to know up front and where that hard break is. And usually I like I I've, I've been taking this example of um of interfaces maybe to an extreme lately. You know, if we talk about uh talk about a software design system, we talk about like service oriented architecture architecture, uh your your modules of code should be cohesive, they should be decoupled. Uh there should be clear interfaces to them. Right? They don't expose their implementation details, but where the two modules touch, they have clearly defined interfaces. That's, that's sort of the API between the modules in your system. And two different teams can be working on each of those two different modules. And as long as they meet to satisfy the interface, the contract that we agreed to, everybody's happy, right? I'm starting to, th there are parallels there with teams. So as long as I understand what work your team does and what work this team does, and I understand where they touch, what their team contract is, then I know from a communication and a decision flow standpoint where I need to focus, right? So if we agree on that stuff, then each team can go do their own thing. You could be completely agile. You could be completely waterfall or extreme or anything else. It doesn't really matter as long as we define that contract. I think that's what you're kind of talking about. Like the, the contract in this case is the business to the engineering team. Business expects these outputs. Okay, these are the outputs we are going to deliver. That's what we're agreeing to. That is our contract. We're going to develop against that contract. And it only needs to be as specific as it needs to be, is my point. Yeah, I think you're good. Well, you went down another, oh man, I'm going to be loaded after. No, I'm you say, what are the requirements? Like, what do you actually need out of this report? 
right? Mm-hmm. Let's have a clean break. Let's very clearly understand what it is we need to output. Mm-hmm. Then we can make a determination as to the best way to build it. And nobody cares, by the way. The business doesn't care. <laughs> you implement a tool, you hire people, you build a thing. Nobody cares, right? Uh, you've got to deliver the result. And so, and so having a very clear delineation in your SDLC, like, hey, we, we discover, we define, we design, mm-hmm. hard break, we start development because we really need those requirements um, as clear as we need. That's why I keep going back to this as much as, as it needs As possible, to be. yeah. As much as right, necessary. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah. well, you asked, you know, how agile should a, you know, how agile does the company need to be? I think there's only one answer to that. You want to be as agile as you can be, meaning that if you don't need a lot of heavy policy and rigor and procedure, then don't put it in place and just make it a very simple, lightweight, small loop. You only increase the loop, the size of it, the complexity of it, the rigidity of it, because the business needs dictate that that is actually the case. If if those are not there, then don't put them there. You know, don't don't actually constrain yourself in that way. That's just silly. You know, and then uh, you, you uh, yeah. I guess a, that's my point. Like the like the pre planning and stuff. That's that's like waterfally. How much of that do you need? As much as uh, necessary. As much as you need, and no more. And right. Because no then you're right. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. And that's where and that's where people run into trouble. Um, but my original point was more of a, a, a of a common engineering mindset of starting with your starting starting your, with the system starting yeah. with the system and you, you don't start with the system even if the system is built even if it's a mature system and you know somebody is adding something to that system you try and separate again as much as possible you you separate the the system from the business need because you might actually figure out that okay yeah there's this overlap with this area of the system over here but that's actually not what is relevant, important, uh, you know, and you may end up yeah. actually, okay, okay, rather than bolting on to this part over here, I'm actually going to go and build a whole new feature or a whole new mm-hmm. subsystem over here because th- th- it's actually, it belongs over here. It, it makes more sense. It's going to save time. It's going to be faster, whatever. Uh, when you, when you're talking about the, when you, when you start from the, okay, well, what can the system do? And then let's backfill functionality into what the system can do. You, you've you've already well, you still, you've you already d- lost. You do need to answer. You do need to answer for what the system can do, right? But it's a it's well, yeah. It's the second or th- like like the first concern is it's what not does a first it need order. To do? Yes, it's not a first like, order. What does it need to do is first. Then what is it doing now is second. Mm-hmm. What it can do is third, right? Because as mm-hmm. you develop, once you are sure what you need to output, now you can develop once you now you know what you need to well, you know what it needs to do mm-hmm. you know what it does mm-hmm. now you have a gap assessment right yeah. and when you look through planning like how are we going to close this gap now what the system can do that it's not already doing is relevant mm-hmm. because maybe maybe leveraging that is the way to go or to your point maybe just screwing off onto the other side of the system and building something over here maybe that does make sense right mm-hmm. maybe it's a quicker way to get to the business need but defining the business need in terms of like simple, st- I, back to 101, guys, like v- simple stories, right? right? As a blank, when I blank, it should blank, right? That, <laughs> that is a tremendously yeah. clarifying exercise, and too many teams don't do that. They start, well, when I click this button, I want the subprocess to kick off the report because then I can leverage this, oh, blah, blah. No, no, no. As a blank, when I blank, it should blank, right? That is, that's like blocking and tackling on, mm-hmm. on this stuff because it really clarifies 
it, it helps clarify. And and sometimes I've seen system. I've seen like you have newer folks on a system, and a ticket comes in if it doesn't have the right context. I've seen people go and build new features that overlap existing features because they didn't realize mm-hmm. the system could already do this, or they misinterpreted because we didn't have a clear story. Um, because you get a smug report, right? When the when the user thinks they know what they want, <laughs> not to be confused uh, with a bug report, a smug report. <laughs> yeah, when the user thinks they know what needs to change, they mm-hmm. will be prescriptive. And then if you have a developer, somebody who's junior on the team, junior in their career, doesn't you know just yep. doesn't, for whatever reason doesn't ask the follow up questions, winds up doing what the smug report says instead of diving in, figuring out what the root issue is and solving that, which could potentially look very different. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 smug reports require further investigation into the actual background because the only, the only group that is actually directly prescriptive to the technique and the implementation detail that lives with engineering, you know, that, that yeah. is, in, that is engineering's purview. You don't tell them what to build and how to build and, and those kinds of things. What you do is describe what you need. What you what, need. What is, the, you know, what is the problem yeah. that you're trying to solve? And you do it completely absent. And this is, this is where I was coming from. You do it completely absent of the technology because the technology is irrelevant. And a lot of people don't, don't draw that distinction properly. Uh, what, do you, yeah. what do you mean? Of course the technology, but well, yeah, that's, but that's not the first order question. The first order question is what is the, what problem what are we trying to solve? What is the situation? Yeah. Don't talk to me about tech. Don't talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the thing that's, what's going on? What's the thing you need? What's the problem you're trying to solve? That That is, that is where all of this stuff lives. So. All of it. Yeah, we did it. We did a, I, I did a pretty crappy job getting there, but you know, I think we made a, a fairly decent, uh, decent go of it there. And hey, you got to rant and rave a little bit about, uh, well, you got your you got your Christmas podcast rant and rave, and then you got your I did I hate report I builder rant and rave. You know, so I got I got know. a lot of I got, got a lot of stuff out, out this week. You guys got you got it out of your system. So I, I, I thank you for sitting in my my audio therapy couch. Yeah. I guess I would be sitting on your you would audio be sitting in yeah because because again this yeah. is really good radio. He's talking about it the, is. the therapy couch. Right. That was what my friends call it in the background in my in my office. Oh no, I wasn't. I was just I was oh just well. I actually do have a therapy couch. Yeah. Okay. You need. It. Uh, if you want to write in and tell Frank exactly how badly he botched his explanation, I would love that to pieces. I will feature you prominently in all the socials. Uh, send us an email at feedback at refactor.work. You can even do a voice record on your phone. Send us that as an MP3. We'll play that on the show. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you want more of Frank, hot coals, K O E H L S.com. You can find more of me online at tonkinson.com. And uh, this has been episode number 92, recorded December 20th, 2022. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon.